Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here, and Brian's back with us, and we're going to talk about cotton defoliation. Tom, I'm backing up the photos <laughs> on my phone. So I've been out for however many weeks now. Well, and I was going to say, we should, I, I'll, I'll say it. Jason had some elective surgery, so he's been out of the office, and we've been out of the podcast studio for a little while. So, like, the day after I had the surgery on my phone, that little red one shows up on the settings that tells me my <laughs> iCloud storage is full. I don't even use iCloud, right? <laughs> and so I went through the phone. I went through the iPad. I deleted text. Me- I deleted every text message completely off the phone. And then come to find out it's this silly MacBook. It updated and and then it was looping stuff into that iCloud. So I have, I think, solved my iCloud problem, but I'm backing up the photos on my phone to my Dropbox just in case. So that's what I'm doing if you when you were looking at me like like I had two heads there for a second. No, no, I just try to look at you out of the corner of my eye. Are we po- oh we're podcasting. I- Forgot we, about that. We are live, Jason. <laughs> you, we've been out of here a few not, weeks, and not, all of a sudden you've right. like completely forgotten. We're not live. We're, we're definitely well, okay. not so, live. Well, we're live right now. Yeah. This won't be live yeah, when you listen we, to it. We're, <laughs> we're, recor- <laughs> we're, we're recording this pointless conversation that we're having. This is not a pointless conversation. It's all good material. Brian, so before we get started, and you're going to have to limit yourself in this response because I know that as we've said and indicated, we could sit here and have this conversation just about all day long. Favorite Grateful Dead song and era? Yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, I'll go with Dark Star, uh, 72. The era, any Dark Star between 69 and 72 is my favorite. But uh, 72, February, I think 18th, beautiful jam. That's where it's at. But you've shocked Jason. Remarkably specific. He's blown. Well, but, yeah. well, you said my favorite. I mean, you know, there's a lot of favorites. I got to pick my. Favorite. Jason needs to understand that those people that consider themselves deadheads essentially can break that down because when you deal with the whole David Lemieux thing of the world and Dick's picks and all the rest of that, you can focus on an actual date. But you can actually download a, that. I, I'm I'm aware. All I know. He spit out a date from four or five years before he was born. <laughs> Well, which, hey, which fascinatingly enough is hub. just about you on the other hand we're born yeah, just stop <laughs> stop that's about 14 months after i was born so yeah not like i would have any recollection of that moment in time and i'm certainly my parents never ever ever would have listened to any of that so uh, yeah i tried to play it for my grad students in a long truck ride and they they didn't get it uh too much, was, too much too fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just pretty much went to sleep. <laughs> but they're like, what's your favorite Grateful Dead song? I was like, here, I'll show you. And then they're like, come on, boss. We got to come on, move on, find something else. They like three-minute songs. You've noticed that you're a lot older than those kids now, right? Oh, yeah. Double, I mean. Right. But I think he has a greater appreciation of music. That's what it comes oh, down yeah. to. I mean, you ask Brian a question about music, you're never going to be disappointed. No. It, and it well, doesn't matter what the context is. No. Gonna, I, I, we listen to a lot of music in my house. You know, my wife, me both. We're doing dishes, cooking. I mean, every day is, we always have music on. We have an old record player in camp last last night at supper. He's like, Daddy, we got we hadn't played our record player in a while. we got to play the record player this weekend. So we have a bunch of old records, and it's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, Brian, we've swapped over to September, and you know, when we did 
a cotton defoliation episode last year. I went and looked it up. We were mid-September when we dropped that. We're going to hit this one in early September because, as you said, we a little bit earlier this year on the crop relative to 2021. So as we begin to think about cotton defoliation, give us your kind of jumping-off point for the, the conversations that you have with guys, and then maybe we'll bounce some more specific questions off of your initial comments. To start with, we all, we've said this before, you know, defoliation is a little complicated. There's no, just because you did it last year doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it this year because it's so environmentally related. It depends on what, what your environmental conditions are. And with the summer we had, some of the resulting plants from that could need different treatments based on, even from farm to farm, region to region. I guess the first step is, you know, when are you going to apply? You need that window that we discussed. I mean, the first day after application, especially with a hormonal product, needs to have, be free of rainfall. And then the three to five days after that application is critical, you know, to the success of the leaf drop. Develop that a little bit. Why is that? Well, if it's a, let's say it's a hormonal product and the temperatures need to be 65 degrees or above, all of them are going to work better when it's hot, humid, plenty of sunlight. You know, all three of those factors are come into play. So let's say if you apply on a hot, hot sunny day, but the next day a, a weather system moved in like we had a couple of weeks ago and it stayed wet for a week to 10 days, maybe even the temperatures dropped down below 50 degrees, well, then you're, that product's not going to work well at all, if at all. So you're going to have pretty much wasted that and, and starting back over the next chance you get. So paying attention to the weather. And then just thinking about, you know, the goals, I mean, what you're trying to do. I mean, you're trying to remove the leaves with these products, whether it be herbicidal or hormonal. You're trying to get airflow through the canopy. You're trying to, you know, rid the plant of the factors that affect quality, staining, trash. You know, you're trying to improve your harvest efficiency. So just having a, a good understanding of the products you're using and how they work goes a long way. And back to the temperature thing, every 10 degrees over 60 there's a twofold increase in the rate of leaf drop. So 70 degrees versus 60. So, you know, you see how it could work a lot faster. Right. The warmer it is. It's a race against time, race against the environment. You know, we see how the weather can change. If you, once you apply, I mean, that, that crop's pretty vulnerable. You're ready to get the next one out. If you're in a two-pass program, you're typically 10 days to two weeks out from when you start, when, when the picker's in the field. That's not to say you can't successfully do a one-pass program uh, a lot of guys do it every year. A lot of that depends on the lushness of the canopy, if it's drought stressed or not. And even to back that up further, I know some guys that that's just what they do even in lush cotton, one pass. But they still usually have to come back at some point, especially if they get a rain and just, you know, be ready to clean up what's left. Oh, I think we were talking earlier, you know, like a good scenario, like what's a typical good weather scenario Usually starting with a hormonal product in a, in a one-pass, starting like Thiodazeron, uh, there's Genstar, Finish Pro. All these are good products. Uh, Finish Pro is a standalone product a lot of times, but you can still add either one of the other two to it to kind of beef it up. But going out with those products with the bowl opener, Ethafon, you know, you're trying to build ethylene in the plant, causing some injury to uh, make an abscission layer, the petiole, for the leaf to drop. But what you have to be careful with 
is you want to, you want these products to work the way they're designed to work. And if you, uh, especially during high temperatures, if you add things like adjuvants or go too high on the rate, you can cause more leaf injury that will act faster than that abscission layer has time to develop. That's where you get your stuck leaves. And that's what you want to avoid because once they stick, you're going to pick through that. Because then you got a dead leaf yeah. that's stuck on the plant. You're not going to get anything. It's just going to be your, yeah. it's going to be it's some trash. Of, you're right. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's so much to it, but um, you're going to start there. You know, moving into your uh, second application, um, your, your second pass usually is a cleanup pass. If you had an effective first, you're going to remove most of the, the leaf material. You're probably going to have some kind of a skirt at the bottom, mature leaves. Depending on how much nitrogen's under it or if you got a rain or just soil moisture, you might have some regrowth, and you're probably going to have some open bowl, I mean, some closed bowls at the top. This is where a lot of PPOs come in. You're going to apply those usually with some ethophon if you have bowls to open. At this point, adjuvants are great because you're trying to get good coverage on small, a lot of times curled up leaves. These products don't have any kind of regrowth inhibition, so you need to try to get those off so you don't have a lot of green stain. And, and coverage is key. And those are tougher, so you, you just want to, you want to get as much penetration as you can. And if all that works well, you should be ready to go. If. <laughs> the hormonal products that I was talking about earlier, the first pass, I mean, one good attribute about those is if you get them into the plant, they're going to help with the regrowth potential. So that's why, especially early, you might want to steer away from like a herbicidal that doesn't have any kind of regrowth inhibition. As much rain as we've been getting in between here and there, um, regrowth is likely. Would you consider leaving the adjuvant off on that first pass? Leave, yeah, that's, leave it out of the tank mix? I mean, I would personally, due to the fact that if you go out by ground 15 gallons per acre, air 5 gallons per acre, you have good coverage tips and you get good coverage, these products are designed to work well within their use rate because you want to avoid a whole lot of leaf injury. You're just trying to get these into the plant. Now, adverse conditions, whether it be drought, stress cotton with a thick cuticle, or let's say it's um, cool, cool weather, wet weather, you're trying to get in there, mainly cool weather or drought, stress cotton. Yeah, that'd be a good time to, to use an adjuvant. Depending on the product you use, there's, you know, seven or eight, I don't know, I could name them. You got AIM, Sharpen, Reviton, ET, Display. All those use either a non-ionic surfactant or a crop oil. Some of them either or. Uh, ET, AIM, for instance, you know, they, they suggest using a, a COC, 1%. Things like Sharpen, you know, you're going to use your nitrogen-based, either AMS or UAN. And let's say it gets cool, nighttime, 48 degrees, 55 you know, Folex, I think his range is 55 to 65 degrees. It's still active. That's the time you want to shift to a, a herbicidal defoliant, depending on how cool or how much you need to heat it up. I mean, so that changes the whole ball game, the temperatures. So to recap, in a good weather scenario, you would recommend starting with a combination of a hormonal defoliant plus a, a bowl opener. Yeah. And then – Depending on the effectiveness of that and the weather, follow that up possibly with a more herbicidal-based treatment to knock out the last few leaves or regrowth, that type of thing. Yeah, and you could add, um, if you still have 
more mature leaves and your regrowth potential is high, you could add some TDZ to that uh, to the PPO mix. Okay. And that, that's done quite, quite a bit. All right. So let's flip the script. Let's assume the weather's bad and you, you pick it bad, Brian. You lay out a scenario for us because I know we can have you know, multiple types of, of bad weather. But typical, may, maybe a expected bad weather scenario for September. Yeah. So you went in, you put in a shot. And uh, I guess the worst case would be you put in an application that was unsuccessful. Let's say you went with a hormonal-based program. You got an unexpected rain shower that night, did not have a 24-hour rainfall-free period, stayed wet for four days, and the temperatures dropped down. You had a night dipped in the 40s, so the cotton plant effectively shut down. So it's not really taking in anything. It's not – I mean, it's just done. And then slowly starts warming up. You have heavy dews. You're getting into what we got into probably – in 2020, we had a lot of defoliation going out with cool weather. During that situation, you're going to have to get more aggressive. Trivifos, Folex type, that's going to be the driver of getting the leaves off. Depending on how much you have, you know, how much foliage your, your first shot probably didn't work that well. I know, I know of some people who just put that out as a standalone. You can still have good results, but you'd probably add some kind of an adjuvant in there you know, to increase the, just the efficacy of it, because you're actually outside of its labeled operational temperatures. But, I mean, you got to do something, right? And you get some benefit of, you know, let's say the day gets up to 85. I mean, that doesn't hurt anything. In theory, the plant, the, those 45-degree nights are not good. I mean, that that kind of slows everything down. But that's the best you can do, and it worked well that year. And then... You know, oftentimes that'll pass. You get your temperatures uh, up a little bit, and you can. Uh, you still might not be using your hormonal-based products, but you come back on your second application with the PPOs like we described. You're a little more aggressive on the use rate. You put in an adjuvant, you know, helping get it in the plant. And this whole thing might take longer than it would have under ideal conditions. The whole thing might just take a little bit longer. Well, I guess the key take-home message there is you really have to focus on what the forecasted temperatures you're going to do for sure and massage your mix then based on what that long range forecast is you know and, and that's in saying long range forecast how much benefit do we really get from a 10-day forecast seven days is usually at the at the verge of what we know from a from a weather standpoint 10 days is probably stretching it yeah and i mean even even recently i mean our, our seven to ten day i mean it'll change from day to day you can't count on a 60 percent seven days away no way but i mean you always got to be watching it usually two to three days is pretty close that's probably the most important part is that the 24 hour rain free rainfall free period and then the three to five days following after that you know you kind of got to play the cards you dealt some people know what they're going to use and it works every time but there always could be some kind of a tweak to it you know that exactly how you're going to do it and then massive temperature changes would kind of change your, your main driver of the style. All right, Brian, we, we've talked a lot about application strategies and which products to use. What should cotton farmers be looking for to make those first applications for defoliation? There's several things you can look at, and I like to, you know, look at about three or four different uh, methods, you know, kind of get a good ballpark feel. There's the old standby, 60% open bowl. The best way to get a true 60% open bowl is to go, you know, three foot a row, several spots in your field, 
you know, count all your open bowls, count your closed bowls, and get a percent. What we found is a lot of people ride down the turn row and like, oh, that's 60%, 40 50 But a lot of times when you actually do the counts, you're, you underestimate it from in the truck. So what you're calling 60 might be 70 or 80 or, you know, when you're thinking it's 40, it, it could be 60. So getting a good bowl count and seeing what your actual percent is, the physiological way is note above white flower 5 plus 850 heat units. That would definitely need to be double-checked with some other methods because there's a lot of varietal, environmental, regional influences. But it can get you in the ballpark. And then it's the whole – then node above crack bowl. So, you know, you find your uppermost crack bowl and count your nodes up to the bowl you think is a, the, the last uppermost harvestable bowl. And then you get that bowl and cut it a cross section and see if the seed on the inside has got a black seed coat or dark seed coat. If it does, you're mature. That's usually somewhere around the fourth or fifth node from the terminal, usually probably the fourth. Or, you know, you could go count four nodes down from the terminal, cut that bowl and just kind of see where you are. You know, if it's still real jelly, you know, no real defined seed coat, you're not quite there. But if you're getting a dark ring around your, your seed, you're good to defoliate. So if you can check though, you know, two or three methods and everything looks good to go, it's time. After we get the treatment out, Brian, and say it's our second application, everything has worked like we wanted it to, what's our time interval between there and running a picker? If it's good weather, warm weather, I mean, after the second five to seven days probably, give everything time to work. There's really not, I mean, there could be a couple of uh, harvest intervals on some of those products, but it's not going to be more than five to seven days. So I wouldn't really worry about that. But usually from your very first to when your picker's in the field is 12, 14 days. And then the the second application is going to be five to seven days after the first on average. And then, you know, probably another five to seven days. All right, last question. Let's fast forward four weeks. So maybe... You know, we're ballpark first of October. Not bad weather, but definitely different weather than the first of September. Later planted cotton, we're, how do we address defoliation in that situation? I, I think you would follow the same rules that you have followed in the, you know, for September. Uh, but it's more likely going to be different due to the fact that days are shorter. Um, nighttime temperatures could be cooler. I'd say more of your, um, herbicidal products that are applied on your first shot are going to occur in, in this type scenario. And then I've seen it hot in October, but let's say it's a little cooler. I mean, it's going to be a little slower acting. You know, everything's going to have slowed down a little bit. You know, your bowl openers are going to work a little bit slower, but you're probably going to lean on the, uh, on the high side of your use rates, especially if you're trying to open some bowls, adverse conditions. I think you can apply 40 ounces a year at the font, but Depending on what you put on your first shot, I'd probably put a quart or so on the on the second. Pay That's attention all. to adjuvants, adverse conditions. Things are a little less than ideal. So one last thing, uh, all I do it all the time. Refer to the Mid South Defoliation Guide. It's got a lot of good, useful information, a lot of scenarios. Feel free to contact me or call me if you have any questions. I was gonna say, where can folks access that? I posted it to the blog, MS Crops blog. Okay. It's up there right now. Uh, but you can go, go online and find the 2021. The only difference, the only major difference in the 22 is the addition of Reviton PPO. Other than that, it's basically the same. A few other minor changes, but uh, the 2021 online, uh, we're, 
the other one's not published yet, but it is posted to the blog. Yeah, and as always, I mean, track us down. If you've got more real important, you know, pressing questions, track us down. We're all pretty easy to come across. Mississippi-crops.com. I think you can get all of our cell phone numbers, and that would be the preferred method. We'd, we'd expect that folks would get in touch with us. And Jason, as always, man, it's good, good to have you back in the studio uh, post-elective surgery. Yeah, probably don't call me to look at anything. Scoot, Any, scooter and all. Yeah, Jason's going to have a little trouble scooting across the field, but just folks be aware of that. Some, we'll, we'll help him out if we, if we need to. I got pretty good grips on these tires. Well, at least you're off the dang. Yeah, those actually have a little bit more off-road capability and certainly a little <laughs> not, easier to get around. Than, not much. No, well, grass. No, no, we did have to get you up kind of the ramp to get into the, the Caps building, but um, at, least, at least it's not crutches, brother. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you all. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.